elevate your life with this episode of Lifestyle and Success with Dr. S. Hey friends, Dr. S here. You know, one thing that I love about this show is that it shows anyone and everyone that regardless of what background you have, what different experiences you have had, and who you are, that you can obtain your level of success. I've been getting some really positive feedback from the business tips that you've been getting and the lifestyle hacks that I've been loving. And so I have to tell you, if you are feeling this community to subscribe to the talk show and never miss a beat, head to Lifestyle and Success with DRS.com. And today's guest is coming up. Have you ever wondered how to bootstrap your business to a million dollars plus? If you have, you are going to love today's episode. So today's guest is Lillian Rapson, and on this episode, we are going to explore how to bootstrap your business to $6 million plus. She's also gonna share with us how she got her first business credit account and how to launch a business inspired by your passion. So Lillian runs a travel business, and of course I couldn't let her leave without giving us the lowdown on how to plan a stress-free vacation since that is absolutely 100% what she does. So as we welcome Lillian on the show, let me just give you a little bit of background about her company. Lillian Rafson is the founder and CEO of Pack Up and Go, which is a surprise travel agency that encourages spontaneity, exploration, and adventure among American travelers. She launched this business when she was 23, guys, and I can't wait for her to share her story with us. Lillian, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. You have an incredible brand and, and you've created an incredible movement, and I'd love to know how you got started. Yeah. Um, I know like you, I started my company really young. I, I know you were 24 when you started yours and I was 23 and it, it gets, it goes back to my upbringing. I was really, really fortunate to grow up in a family that really valued travel. And so growing up, I was always exposed to travel opportunities and I was lucky enough in college to study abroad for a full year. And I, I love that experience. And any chance I got, I was taking weekend trips or, you know, exploring new places. And, and I loved it. And I was living in New York, graduated from college, got a job at a startup in sales in New York. And I just wasn't that energized by it. I I think I, I, my expectations um, were a little too high from that, the meaningfulness that that job would give me. And so I felt a little disappointed and I didn't know what I actually wanted to do at that point. So I went back to the one thing that's always brought me a lot of joy and helped me clear my mind, which is traveling. So I quit that job and decided just to take a couple of months to travel and figure out what I actually wanted to do with my life. And so I went backpacking around the eastern coast of Europe. So I went up the Baltic coast from Poland up to Estonia, and I knew nothing about this region, but I was completely blown away by it. And I was in Riga, Latvia. And I was in my hostel talking to other people who were staying there and asked how how they ended up traveling to Latvia, you know, sort of a random vacation destination. And there were two Dutch women in my hostel who were there on a surprise vacation. And it turned out that this concept already existed in Europe. 
And I had never heard of it. And I thought, this is the most fun idea. And it sort of dawned on me that, you know, I'd made it all the way to Riga, Latvia, but I'd never been to Boston, Massachusetts or Denver, Colorado. And I started reflecting on all of the traveling that I'd been lucky enough to do in my life and realized that it was mostly overseas. And I started thinking, you know, why is it that as somebody who grew up in the States, do I not prioritize traveling around my own country and learning about other places in the US? It's so huge and there are so many different places to see. And I just sort of ideated from there and I did a quick search and it, it didn't exist in the United States. And so I sent an email to my parents and I said, I think I'm going to move back to Pittsburgh and start a surprise travel agency. And that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> and here you are. And, and I know <laughs> that there have been some twists and turns as you started launching that brand, building that brand. And I want to get into all <laughs> of it. So, I mean, what did your parents say? What did you think you'd be doing when you grew up? Or what did they think you would be doing when, when you grew up? <laughs> that's a really great question. I, I should ask what they thought I was going to be. But funny enough, both of my parents own small businesses. So when I was growing up, you know, my parents both had offices in the house. They were working all the time. Um, and I always joke that when we went on vacation, the fax machine came with us. So, so I always <laughs> was around entrepreneurship and, and I always knew that it was possible, but that it was always a lot of work. You know, I, I knew that starting your own company didn't mean that you have complete flexibility and, you know, it's a walk in the park. But I, when the idea came about, they were really receptive to it. And, and even though I never intended to be an entrepreneur growing up, when the idea happened, I was, again, I was 23 and I thought, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? If it doesn't work, I'll go get a job. Um, but I might as well give it a shot. But funny enough in high school, I am in middle school and high school, I definitely wanted to be an actress. And I even went to a performing arts high school for musical theater. And I, I realized pretty quickly I'm not cut out to be an actress. It's not, it wasn't, it wasn't for me, but so many of those skills from my performing arts background have been so helpful as an entrepreneur. So I'm really grateful that I have that, that experience. And I'm really grateful that I didn't pursue that path. <laughs> totally. I mean, do you feel like the initial skills that you had that made you want to become an actress have helped with your confidence and talking about the company that you have created today? Definitely. Especially now that our team is over 20 people, I think a lot of my role as a CEO is to communicate the vision and, and sort of steer the ship. And so much of that comes down to communication and public speaking and, um, and knowing how to engage a group of people. So it's been really, really helpful in that way. Yes. Now you just said something really important, which is like a team of 20 plus people. So <laughs> I already can imagine that there have been some hurdles getting that team together and really <laughs> having your business run like a well-oiled machine. So what hurdles did you overcome as you were creating your company? Yeah. So I'll talk about some hurdles before the pandemic, because obviously that was a huge hurdle in the travel yeah. industry. The but, elephant in the room. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that <laughs> later. But um. But, you know, the biggest hurdle, and I wonder if you felt this too, since you were around the same age when you started your company, um, I didn't have a ton of experience as an entrepreneur. I had no experience in, as an entrepreneur, no experience in the travel industry, and I really had no managerial experience. So there were a lot of hurdles related to that. There were 
a lot of very practical hurdles in terms of, um, you know, getting a credit limit that was reasonable for for the company credit card as a 23 year old with very little credit history. You know, that mm. was a really practical hurdle. Um, but early on, you know, just learning how to run a business as it's going was crazy. Um, the company took off way faster than I thought it would, which is, you know, amazing. But it meant that I was learning how to create uh, an employment contract at the same time that I was learning how to deal with accounting issues at the same time that travelers are calling because their flight was canceled. Um, mm -hmm. So it felt like there were 25 things happening all at once and I had no expertise in any of it. So <laughs> even going back to the um, the acting background, I think it was a lot of, you know, fake it till you make it, the show must go on, you know, all those tropes that go along with acting, that really is how it felt. It, it was, all right, well, I've gotten myself into this. I have to make it work. Customers are counting on me. And so um, it was a lot of learning on the fly. And then as the team continued to grow, a big hurdle that I'm still working through is, is learning to let go and release a little bit of control. Um, I trust my team and I hire the people I hire because I, I trust them and I know that they'll do a great job. But especially when the company is your baby, it's really, really hard to relinquish control. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I can 100% relate to that. And it's so funny when you were talking about the credit issue, I was chuckling to myself because I can I can remember when I first went to the bank to open up a business bank account when I launched my school and they looked at me and it was a local branch and they said, oh, well, what's going to be, you know, your rough annual deposit. And I'm like, oh, roughly $3 million. And they're looking at me and I was like, I think I was turning 25 at the time. And they did not believe me. They said, all right, ma'am, well, we're going to just put your application aside and we're going to do a site visit and maybe we can continue the conversation at oh. your actual site. And so at the, I had no idea that that was not regular protocol. Like I was like, okay, no problem. This is the address. And we were just signing the lease for the new place. So I was like dusting off cobwebs off the table and like trying to put on a suit. Anyway, to make a long story short, when they visited me and they like checked out the location, they realized like, oh my God, this is legit. And they were so like, you know, nice to me after that. <laughs> I just felt bad for doubting. But now that, you know, 10 years later, looking back, I'm thinking like, yeah, if a 24 year old walked into my office, I'd be like, um, I don't know if you really have a business that you think you have. So. Right. I know for me, I think my, my original credit limit, and I went with a bank where I had my personal accounts too, because I was like, okay, they'll see that I've banked with them for a while. This will be great. And they gave me a credit limit of $500 at first. And <laughs> I remember thinking, have you guys ever booked a flight or like booked a hotel? This isn't going to work. And so I, I would book a trip and then I would pay it off. And then I would book another trip and pay it off. I was paying off this credit card multiple times a day. And I, every single morning I called the bank and I said, can you please increase the credit limit? Can you please increase it yet? And they started increasing it in like $250 increments. <laughs> and I was like, this is crazy. And, but it really, they were like, you have no credit history. You're 23 years old. Uh, and this business is a pretty risky idea, frankly. So, right. so we're going to be pretty risk averse here, but eventually it worked out. Eventually, <laughs> eventually they trust you. Persistence is key. So what, tell me a little bit about the pandemic and how you guys, guys have weathered the storm through that. Oh, wow. It was, it's been a crazy ride and we are still in it. Um, 
the best way I can describe it, and I, I, I realized this visual a couple weeks ago, and I, I'm really holding on to this uh, comparison. Since March of 2020, it has felt like I am on a rocket ship that is going at full speed ahead, but one engine is broken. <laughs> and so mm. it's going in all different directions. And every day it feels like you are being pulled 100% in one direction. And the next day it completely goes the opposite direction. And and you just have to roll with the punches and try your best to, to hang on and keep up with it. Yeah. So right off the bat, I, I'll also say that this was the first real challenge that I faced in the business. Of course, there were little hurdles here and there, you know, keeping up with demand, you know, the good, the good type of problems to have, but this was the real, the first real problem. Right. And so, um, the first thing that we did was we had the whole team band together. It was an all hands on deck effort to cancel trips. Um, you know, we had a, a ton of trips already booked for the spring and summer of 2020. And we had to undo all of those reservations. We were all talking to travelers. We were all talking to hotels, airlines, everything. It was, it was an all hands on deck effort. Mm. And, and then we sat down as a team and said, okay, what's next? You know, we had been really fortunate that until that point, we were always on this hamster wheel, just trying to keep up and never, had the time to invest in other ideas or growth opportunities because there was never enough space to do that. Mm-hmm. So once we canceled all of our trips, we sat down as a team and our director of marketing said, I would love for us to rebrand our traveler facing materials. And, you know, I would love for us to audit our itineraries. And and we all had all of these ideas. And so we just sort of created an internal to-do list and um, and we got through a lot of huge projects, which was amazing. We also migrated our entire tech stack, which uh, was no small feat. And in hindsight, I have no idea how we would have done that, um, you know, during a regular busy summer season. But but a huge silver lining was that we had the time and space to make those big systemic changes while we weren't dealing with the, the usual demands of a regular uh, summer travel season. So we mm-hmm. kept really busy behind the scenes um, on the customer-facing side of things, we launched two new types of trips. Um, we had always offered trips where travelers could fly to their destination or do a road trip, but we launched staycations where you could be a, a tourist in your hometown, and we also launched outdoors trips. So that would be a road trip to a glamping tent or a cabin or you know nice. a more remote destination um, that was a little bit better for, for social distancing. So <laughs> we had a lot of uh, back-end projects we worked on. We had a lot of customer-facing um, growth opportunities. So it was busy. And then this spring, it it really felt like the floodgates opened for us in um, late March, early April. And this was a really busy summer for us. So it was hard because I think like most of the world, we were all pretty burnt out from the last year, like personally totally. and professionally. Yeah. And then it turned into, all right, travel's back. We have to kick back into gear. And um and that was hard for me because I also felt I also felt burnt out, but I, you know, have been keeping an eye on our books and financially it was a really really hard and scary year, mm-hmm. and I, you know, for our team of course we were all in overdrive and, and working constantly all summer, um, but I still have this PTSD of you know us hemorrhaging money over the last year. So yeah. so that's been hard um, for me to balance, you know 
growth and, and rewarding the team for all the work that they're doing while still balancing the financial effects of the last year. Yeah, I really appreciate and commend you for being so transparent about that, Lillian. I feel like there's so many people and I'm in, you know, many, many entrepreneur rooms uh, day in and day out. And all you hear are like stories of folks who are like, oh, yeah, we had like our best month yet in the pandemic. And it's like, that's not the story of most people. You know, it has been if it wasn't financially a tough time, it was mentally a tough time for everyone. And I just want to give some comfort to the women entrepreneurs out there who were like, I had a freaking horrific time during this pandemic or just a bad time, or it was just a challenge that obviously nobody expected and we needed to figure out how to survive. And I think one other thing, just for anybody who's listening, something that often goes unsaid that I really felt this summer was anytime you hear about somebody who has their best month on record or you know has this tremendous growth, what they're, the undercurrent there or the thing that's happening behind the scenes is probably chaos and stress, yes. right? Like <laughs> if you are having explosive growth, then that also means that you are trying to figure out how to scale customer service and working yes. out all the kinks. And I felt like this summer, especially, yes, it was amazing. And I'm so glad and grateful that, that the company is still in business and that we were able to be this busy, but it, it was crazy. And, you know, it felt like I was doing three jobs at once, basically, where I was helping. I was, it was an all hands on deck summer as well, helping plan trips all day mm-hmm. while also thinking strategically, okay, the next time we're this busy, how do we make this easier? Because this isn't sustainable. Um, so there's a lot of strategy. And part of that strategy was also, okay, we need to hire more people to to fill all these roles. So then it was also a lot of uh, of interviewing and hiring and onboarding and HR. So, so just remember, if you're listening, when you hear about all of this success, remember that the thing that might not be being told is, is all the stress and work that that's going on uh, simultaneously. Exactly. Exactly. It is an individual journey for everyone and you (laughs) only get to see a slice of the story. So what has been your greatest win? The fact that we're still in business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've yeah, all made it through. We have made it through. Exactly. Yeah. Despite everything I just said about how hard it was, um, it it feels pretty amazing that, you know, as a bootstrapped small business uh, that we are still around today. And, um, you know, when I started the company, I my original business plan and projections estimated that I would plan 50 trips in the first year of business. And in the first year, we did over 550. Mm. And the next year, we did 1,700. And the next year, we did 3,500. And yes. and it still, to me, is just amazing that I had this crazy idea for a little travel company that would encourage people in the U.S. to travel to an unknown destination in their country that they wouldn't think to visit on their own, um, and that it worked and that people took the plunge and that people trusted me enough to join my team. It all feels like a big win. I'm super yeah. teasing with, with stuff like that, but. <laughs> yes, how beautiful. Well, I would be remiss if I did not pick your brain about, even though I hate when people say pick your brain, but I'm sorry, I couldn't think of anything else to say. Um, <laughs> if I did not really like dig into how to plan for a vacation, because we are, thankfully, we are kind of bouncing back from mm-hmm. this 
pandemic and from this experience. The travel industry has opened back up. Everyone's, you know, starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, no shame on anyone whose business did not make it. It's okay. You can mm-hmm keep going. You can pick up the pieces and keep going. And for those of us who struggled and are reopening our doors or who have had amazing months, this is all a new season that everyone's trying to figure out kind of where they fit. And I think that travel is that one thing that gives us all that breath of fresh air to know that like, okay, vacations are back and that will help me get some clarity on where to go next. So for people who are planning those vacations, what tips do you have for them to make sure that that experience is stress-free? Ooh, that is a great question. Um, So the fun thing about travel is that there are always going to be things that are out of your control, right? Like you you cannot sadly control the weather. Uh, You cannot control the airlines and any delays, things like that. So I would say my biggest piece of advice is shifting your mindset and and treat your vacation um, or, or put less emphasis on where you're going and, and the minute by minute experience and more who you're going with and mm. and embracing the fact that you have this time to yourself or with your partner or with your friends or with your family. And, and remember that that's why you're on the vacation. It's not to get the photo for social media. It is to spend time either with yourself or with someone you care about. And I think if you shift your mindset that way, it eliminates so much stress because Mm -hmm. that way, you know, if your flight is delayed or canceled, it makes it easier to roll with the punches. And you Mm -hmm. say, you know what? It's not ideal. I will get there when I get there. And in the meantime, I'll hang out at the bar at the airport and have a drink with this person I love because (laughs) I still get to spend time with them. Um, so that's probably my my biggest piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know I, I we say the same thing to our travelers. <laughs> so things are just going to be out of your control. Um, another piece of advice is to look in places other than social media for inspiration. Mm. I think a lot of times, and I myself can be guilty of this too. I see experiences on social media. And they look really enticing and the pictures are beautiful and the food looks amazing and sort of like entrepreneurship. I think it's important to remember that you are only seeing a little sliver of reality. So when you are seeing, you know, somebody standing in front of the Eiffel tower or, um, you know, in Antelope Canyon, what you're not seeing are the throngs of tourists behind them. You're not seeing the peop, the, the street vendors trying to sell tchotchkes. You know, you're not seeing the full picture. And so the one thing that I love about surprise travel, and obviously I'm biased because, because it's my company, but I think when you try to recreate an experience that you see on social media, your expectations can be so high that the, the reality of the experience might not live up to that expectation. And, and we see that one story I love to tell is that at Pack Up and Go, the destination that gets consistently incredibly high reviews from our travelers is Philadelphia. Mm. And I, I say it's the Philadelphia syndrome and it's a great thing. It's because our travelers are signing up for a surprise vacation and 
they open their envelope and see they're going to Philly. And I'm from Pittsburgh, so I'm the first to, you know, lean into this Pennsylvania rivalry. But, but <laughs> their their first reaction might be a little bit disappointing. And, yeah. and they might think, oh, Philly. But then they arrive in Philadelphia and they stay right in Rittenhouse Square and they can walk to these amazing museums and they can walk to all these amazing restaurants and the cobblestone streets are so charming and the architecture is beautiful. And and so having that open mind and sort of low expectations gives Philadelphia the opportunity to surprise and delight and exceed expectations. Yes. And so I think if you can go on a vacation totally open-minded without having a really clear visual of what you want to come out of it with, then you give the experience the chance to delight you. Mm, I love that. And, you know, I can relate to that so much too, because I do do a lot of traveling overseas. One of my favorite places to go, everyone who listens to the show knows is France. Mm -hmm. But I do have to say that I have had some of the most impactful, powerful, weekends of my life on staycations, you know, staying in the New York City area. Like you said, going to Philly, Rittenhouse Square is beautiful. The Jersey Shore, various areas of New York City, not even in the city, but sometimes even like up in the Catskill Mountains. And so it's yeah. those little things where you really feel like you're away from home, but not you know, that far away that can allow you to unwind and relax and really like just let your creativity you know, free. Totally. And even, I mean, if you are going on a big international trip, that's amazing also. And, and I feel like a lot of people who go on these bucket list trips, they're, they're going to Paris. They say, yeah, no, the seeing the Eiffel Tower was cool. You know, the Mona Lisa was, was pretty crowded. Oh, but I found this one cafe that was on this crazy side street and I never would have found it unless this one local, you know, told me to go down that street instead of this yes. street. And it's all of the things that you're least expecting that end up being the highlight of your trip. And those are the things that when you hear someone else is going to Paris, you say, listen, you have to go to this one bakery. And, yeah. and those are the things that you can't plan for necessarily. And you can't get stressed out about ahead of time because you have no expectation. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I would love to know like what role your company plays in travel, because I have to be honest, a lot of our listeners and even myself, like when we're ready to book, we probably go on, you know, Expedia or <laughs> just go to straight through the airline and and go to Travelocity and pick your top hotel or, or something like that. And mm -hmm. oftentimes it's hit or miss, you know. So what, how does your company really change that experience for folks? Yeah. So <laughs> what is the stat? It's the average trip takes between 15 and 25 hours to plan. And I am definitely guilty of that when I plan my own vacations, where to your point, you pull up all the reviews of every hotel, you look into every, uh, you know, you compare all these different flights and it comes down to, do I want a direct flight and spend $75 more? Or, you know, you weigh all those different options. And at Pack Up and Go, we say it's the easiest and most exciting trip you'll ever take because it takes 15 minutes to sign up. So mm -hmm. the way our trips work is our travelers tell us what types of trips they want to take. If you want to fly, drive, do a staycation or an outdoors trip. And then you choose your travel dates and your budget and you complete a pre-trip survey. So we want to know where you've traveled recently, what trips you have coming up, what you like to do on vacation, any celebrations, dietary restrictions, things like that. And then you're done. You get to sit back and relax. We have travel planners who on an individual basis read through every single pre-trip survey and they say, okay, you know, if they love 
history and cocktails and live music, I think they would love New Orleans. Or if they're really into art museums and history and cultural sites, maybe it is Philly or Boston or DC. So we read through your preferences and choose it for you. We also, because we do this day in and day out, and we've planned thousands of trips at this point, we have preferred hotels in our destinations. So we have hotels that we trust based on our, our experience and our traveler feedback. So we're not going to put you in you know, a sketchy hotel on the side of the road. We're going to have <laughs> you stay right in, um, you know, in an awesome neighborhood, super walkable central location. So we we take the sort of decision paralysis out, <laughs> out of traveling. Mm, yeah. And so we book it all for you. And then we put together our favorite recommendations for things to do in your destination. So the best sightseeing, restaurants, uh, if you if you drink and you tell us you drink, we'll put together bars or breweries, you know, things like that, that we think you'll like based on that pre-trip survey. So when we send you off on your trip, you have a whole range of things to pick from. So you have a framework for exploring, but you can also have the space and freedom to explore on your own. Oh, I love that. That sounds so easy. And when you were <laughs> saying what you like, it's so interesting. I've never planned a trip that way, you know, like gave myself some kind of survey and asked like, what do I really like to do and started checking it off like live music. Love that. Never even thought about that when I travel. <laughs> so that is brilliant, brilliant. Lillian, this has been so helpful sharing your story, your beautiful um, journey through launching your business, through building your business, twists and turns. And, uh, you know, I'd love to know if you could look back and give your 10 year younger self any piece of advice, what would it be? I would tell myself 10 years ago, keep it up. Every single thing you do is a stepping stone towards your goals. I've always believed that what you put in, you'll get out. So, you know, I would tell myself, keep it up. You're on the right track even if it feels really hard to speak up. Wow. And little did you know that you would be the CEO of a multi-million dollar business. Well <laughs> done, sister. Well done. How can our audience find and support you? Um, we are on social media at packupgo underscore travel. And our website is packupgo.com. Packupgo.com, everybody. Pay her a visit. Lillian, thanks so much for coming on the show, and I can't wait to have you back. So great talking with you. You are listening to Lifestyle and Success with Dr. S, a talk show to help you rise in business success while designing a life that you don't need a vacation from. To subscribe to the show and never miss a beat, head to Lifestyle and Success with DRS.com. 